So we've been in a series on the Ten Commandments, and we spoke about how the commandments really come from a place of relationship. They don't come from a list of stuffy rules. <laughs> and, and you know, when we looked in Exodus 20, God had delivered the, the people of Israel from Egyptian bondage, and then he said, now this is the ten words, the Decalogue that I have given you to live and build your life as well as the civilization on. Now, I'm not going to go through all the time to recap uh, all of the commandments that we've done so far. This is the fourth commandment. And the other three you can see on the church app or YouTube or the podcast. If you'd like to keep up, they are there. Okay? So I, I, the reason I'm telling you that is because we, we have a lot. How many of you are ready for a Bible study tonight? This is going to be a Bible study, really. We're going to go through some verses, but... This, this specific commandment is really near and dear to, to my heart. You know, this commandment, we spoke about how many of them are a picture of Jesus, but I don't think that any of them really capture what, as, as far as this one, the depths of what Jesus did for us when it comes to the Sabbath. This is one of the most misunderstood, uh, groups of scriptures in the entire Bible. In Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or the sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, this is the longest commandment out of all of them, and it's the most explained. Now, when you understand this commandment, this commandment is different from the other nine. And people really have brought this specific specific commandment down to a day of worship, and is it Saturday or Sunday, right? We can all agree that's where most people try to camp out. But I want you to see the principle and the backstory to this commandment. This specific commandment has spawned a lot of legalism. It has spawned a lot of false teaching. When we look at it in the book of Exodus, we see that God is showing himself as the lawgiver in the context of the Sabbath. Now, we're going to see a lot of minor points in here. God is showing himself. He's saying, this is the Sabbath. I want you to keep it. He's given it in the context of a lawgiver. I want you to remember that. Now, let's, let's look at the background of it. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, I want you to remember three words that are in this specific verse. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all of the work he had done and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. Now here God is identifying himself as the creator in Genesis in regards to the Sabbath. So we see him as the lawgiver in the context of the Sabbath. We see him as creator in the context of the Sabbath. Now I'm going somewhere with this so just hold on. Remember these words, finish, rest, and blessed. 
Now, do you think God got tired? Isaiah 40, 20, 40 verse 28 says he does not grow weary or get tired. We see that God is instituting a day of a time of reflection or memorial of showing what he accomplished in his perfect creation. It was the day to stop and remember his perfect work. See, God is establishing a principle in the creation before the law is given. So we know that this is something that God instituted. So in Genesis, God's showing himself as creator through the Sabbath. And in Exodus, he's showing himself as the lawgiver through the Sabbath. This is also the first time the word holy is used. In other words, God took this day and elevated. He separated it and elevated it. That means something as we continue going forward. Exodus 31 12 through 17, I want to read this. I'm reading the, the times that it's used in the Old Testament so we can see something very profound here. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, but as for you, speak to the sons of Israel saying, you shall surely observe my Sabbaths for this is a sign. I want you to remember that word between me and you throughout your generations so that you may know, remember this, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Okay. So it's a sign and it's sanctification. Then he goes on. I'm going to kind of go through some of the verses a little quicker just for time's sake. But when you get to the end of the verse in seven, in verse 17, it says he ceased from labor and was refreshed. What does that mean? Remember during this time when God is creating, he's constantly breathing out. He's constantly saying, let there be light. So this is what he is doing. He's speaking the world into existence. When it says here that he refreshed himself, is what it's saying is he breathed in. That's amazing. He took a breath. That's what he did. And it's a reminder that it's a sign of the Lord who sanctifies. Now, when you read more in that verse, it talks about the death penalty if you do not keep the Sabbath. Now, what happened here? In Numbers 15, there's this old boy that is... I guess it was going to cut the grass the next day on their John Deere zero turn. Here, here we come with the bombing jokes. <laughs> and this guy starts picking up sticks. And Moses is like, well, he has to die. Could you imagine that? Now, we, once again, as we spoke about in the first couple of commandments, that we, we see things, they seem so harsh. We don't understand why would God allow someone to be killed because they did not keep a day like the Sabbath. Here's a spoiler alert. <laughs> the Sabbath was a picture of Christ and what he would do. This guy stepped out into willful sin, knowing that he was not supposed to do that and would do it anyway. This is a picture of someone stepping out of the Sabbath rest of God and doing their own thing. In other words, to break it down, we have Christ. He is our Sabbath. He, we, he keeps us. We are, we latch on to him. We live in him. This person was stepping out. They were saying, I don't need that. I'm not following that. This is willful sin. And they stepped out and they were separated from the people. And that's a picture of what happens in the New Testament when we deny Christ and we deny his Sabbath. So it's not that God was being stuffy or mean. He was showing a prophetic principle. 
Now, Deuteronomy 5.15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God bought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now, remember, Moses is also tying a principle of when they were in slavery. When they were in slavery in Egypt, they didn't get a day off. So God is saying, remember, you are delivered from slavery. Christ has also delivered us from slavery as well. So we read that we read this in four different places. Notice that it's never a day set aside for worship. It's set aside as a day for rest. And we have brought it down to a time of worship. So the question is, what, what is the Sabbath? And we're going to get into that a little bit more as we go through the pages and we get into the time of Jesus. Remember, we're forgetful creatures. God is not. So God said, out of six days, you're going to remember everything that I did on the, on the seventh day. Now, does worship take place? Obviously, when they met on the Sabbath, they got into the, the scripture and read. So they made it a day of worship. But the question for us today is, Many people, if you ask them, what is the Sabbath day, they will tell you Saturday, right? Most people, they'll say, what's, what's the Sabbath? It's Saturday. And it gets confusing on the day that was switched, right? The Sabbath is not Sunday. That's what we need to understand. So unless we clear this up, no one is keeping the fourth commandment. And that's something on us. But what I want you to see is out of all of the verses, out of all the commandments, this one shows Christ the most. Now, God is going to reveal himself in the context of, of the Sabbath as the Savior. Remember, Jesus came into the New Testament. There was no New Testament. He was walking it out. So he was walking out under the Old Testament, keeping the law 100%. And what happened was the Pharisees would come and as when the Sabbath would come, they would try to hold his proverbial feet to the religious fire. Right. Let's see how Jesus viewed the Sabbath and let's see if he kept it the correct way. And here's another spoiler alert. Obviously, he did, because when he died on the cross, God raised him from the dead, making him an acceptable sacrifice. And if he would not have been an acceptable sacrifice, he would have never been raised from the dead. Now, remember this as well. As the time of Jesus, the Pharisees had came in and added 40, 40 more laws to the Sabbath. You couldn't drag a chair across the room. Lest you kick up dust, you'd be accused of plowing. You could not carry your own bed or your own mat and walk. You couldn't brush your hair because in case dust flew, this is really how ridiculous it gets, that it would be considered plowing as well, in dust, and kicking up dust, and cleaning. It became meticulous. I mean, if you really think about the disciples walking through a field and grabbing some wheat and eating it, that would be considered winnowing and, and harvesting crops. I mean, it got absolutely ridiculous. But I love this specific group of verses. I want to read them to you. Are you still with me? All right. Remember, this is Bible study. This is teaching. This isn't preaching. So John 5, 2 through 17. Listen to this. Now, there is there is in Jerusalem a sheep gate at a pool, which is called Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, 
blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time, he said, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but I am coming while I am coming. Another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Remember, they could not do that. They couldn't take up their bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. And the Jews therefore said to him, who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, he who made me well said to take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, who is this man who said for you to take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn um, into a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said, see, you've been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. And the man departed, and he went tell the Jews that Jesus is the one who made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him. This is religion. Religion put Jesus on the cross. And he had done these things on the Sabbath. So in other words, this guy was healed. He goes to the temple. He sees Jesus, and Jesus is like, hey, man, how's it going? See, you're healed. And then he walks away. He's like, oh, I need to go tell the Pharisees who healed me. And then at that point, they became enraged. Now, remember, this exposed religion. This exposed the heart of the Pharisees. This was an absolute game changer. And the bullseye was now on Jesus. And the fever pitch reached a high and it never simmered down. Remember, the Sabbath was made a religious spectacle. The Pharisees saw the Sabbath as a control measure. In the days of Rome, the Romans ruled the city. They, the Jewish people were just there to kind of, they, they allowed them to operate. But this was the day that the Pharisees could say, you know what? We can exercise power on this day. So they used it as a, as a power grab. Now, another account is in Mark chapter two. I'll just re tell it to you briefly. The, I told it to you earlier. The disciples are walking through a field and one of them picks up a piece of wheat and begins to eat it. And one of them Pharisees came up and was like, ah, look. Your, 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 your disciples are plowing. Your disciples are picking grain. Now imagine how stupid that is. And Jesus did not punch him in the face. <laughs> Listen to what he says. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The son of man is Lord of even the Sabbath. Now imagine this. This, what they heard was, Oh, really? Jesus is saying, hey, I can do anything I want on the Sabbath. I created the Sabbath. Oh, and by the way, I'm God. And they said, you know what? That's it. Because it says at this point, they leave and they go really try to plot on how to kill him. Matthew 11 tells us just before this, and when you read this specific aspect in the gospel, this is the time when Jesus is watching the Pharisees and he says, 
Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus was seeing all of these people doing all of these religious works to try to be made right with God. And Jesus tells them, come to me. I'm the one that can make you right. I'm the one that can clean you up. See, it's not about resting on a day. It's about living your life in the rest of God. The Pharisees had taken it and made it such a burden that it was, it was taxing to people, right? It became this, this, oh, you have to go to the synagogue every, every Sabbath. You have to do this and that. But the motive was to be made right with God. You see, that's what I'm trying to get you to see. Look at what he says in Mark, thir- thir- Mark chapter 3, 1 through 6. I love this specific story too. But let's slow down and read what happened. Because this is the thing. Jesus is made out to be like, you know, some doting grandpa that doesn't want to offend anyone. But watch Jesus. And let me just say this. Jesus is not being petty here. <laughs> All right. Look at what it says. Again, he entered the synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal them, heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. Now, when you read it in Luke 6, verse 8, it says that Jesus knew their thoughts. Okay, so that part is not in Mark, but it's in Luke. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, like Jesus just saying, let me ask you a question, but let me ask you. Is it lawful to, on the Sabbath, to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent. Then, look at this, it says, And he looked around at them with anger, grieved with their hardness of heart. In other words, Jesus is sitting here and he's like, Oh, the man with the withered hand, come here. And he's looking at them, knows what's in their heart, and he asks a question. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? And I can imagine he is looking at all of these angry Pharisees in the eye. And he says, stretch out your hand. He stretched out his hand and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out immediately and held counsel with Herodians against him on how to destroy him. So you see, Jesus was not being petty. He was using this situation to teach a truth. To teach them that the man with that on the mat, you know what that was a picture of? That was saying, you cannot walk right even on the Sabbath day. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. You see this guy with the withered hand? I'm going to heal him on the Sabbath. You know why? Because I'm God of the Sabbath. That's what Jesus was telling them. That's what they were hearing. He claims to be one with God, right? Nowadays... Say you're on your way to highway, you're on highway 90 going towards New Iberia and you live in a house off of the highway and you were a Pharisee and a car broke down and, and you saw somebody there and it was on a Saturday. The Pharisee, Pharisee Boudreaux would say, man, I'm not going to help that guy. It's the Sabbath. What do you think God would want you to do? He'd want you to help that person because Jesus said it's good to do good on the Sabbath. But see, this is what happens with religion. It ignites rage in people. People get so angry when you don't follow their religious schemes. They get hung up on a religious aspect of it, and and they, they pound people in the ground, right? It looks like this. Oh, you need to go to church on Sunday. 
you didn't go to church. And they judge you based on, on your church attendance. Or they judge you based on a specific aspect. And we get to come to church. We get to read our Bible. We get to spend time with God. This is never about religious law. It's about relationship. Now, in Matthew 5, 17, look at what it says. Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. I came to accomplish their purpose. So, so far, what have we learned about the Sabbath? What's the purpose? It's a sign. He's our creator, our lawgiver, and our sanctifier. Do you see a person being separated out of the fourth commandment? He says that he is elevated. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. How did he do it? Remember we read early. He finished in Genesis all of his work. He rested and he blessed us. So the point is, we, when we are in Christ, we are keeping the Sabbath. That's the, that's the issue. I'm going to give you why, why I told you earlier I was passionate about this. Some time ago, I, before I really even really started to study, uh, there was this pamphlet that came in the mail and it was this prophecy conference. And so, I was like, oh, cool, prophecy. That's neat. So we, this is in New Iberia. We go to this hotel and we, and this thing, this thing's like six weeks long. And bless this brother that was putting it on. I mean, it was, it was, he, he had a rough life. And so as we, we went to it, we saw people that with the long white shirts, like kind of raised a little red flag even by, back then. No, no, no pun intended. But as he began to teach, he was saying some things, and I was like, well, I'm just giving him a shot, you know. And as it, as it progressed, he no longer could meet there, so we met at the end of, at the end of Iberia, which is on Admiral Dahl. Now, when you go into there, it looked like you were in the tribulation period. It was so beat down, this hotel. And so we're, me and my friend are like, man, let's just keep hearing what he has to say. There's no other Bible studies in town. Just, just, you know, just living life, trying to, Digest the scriptures. We go there for a little while every, every night. Then he says, hey, the lease is up. We need to meet at a church in town. It's like, okay, well, you know, let's, that's fine. <laughs> so we go and we meet at this church in town. It's a Seventh-day Adventist church. I never knew what that was. <laughs> I was like, this dude seems like a nice guy. I don't see any Kool-Aid and snakes. Let's go. So we went there. We're going through all of the, I mean, this brother was laying out the tribulation period. He gets to the mark of the beast. So you have people there, families there, and it got to the mark of the beast part. And here was the mark of the beast. If you go to church on Sunday, you are in the beast system. And I was like, nah, I don't know about all that. <laughs> but he taught it so, like, in depth and you start, oh, the, and he was saying how the church changed it and, and, and you're not supposed to change the day because how can you change if murder's okay and all these different things. And he gives this altar call and they have people, I don't know if you saw the Left Behind movie back in the day in the seventies, A Thief in the Night. Like I thought, like I would, if you remember the scene, they're sitting in church as a guillotine in the back of the room and people are like, don't take the mark. And they're like, no, I'm going to take it. And you know, and, it's, and they end up going out there and they get their heads cut off. Yeah. 
I felt like that. I was like, okay, well, if we do <laughs> end up going up, what are you receiving? This is what they were trying to do to get you away from going to church on Sunday and going to church on Saturday, which meant joining the church. That was the big hoorah. So what I'm telling you is, if I did not know what the Sabbath was, I did not know what the Sabbath was at that time, I could have been swept away into false teaching and into a cult. The guy even told me, I mean, he was a great guy. He was like, yeah, we're in the cult section, actually, but, you know, we're close to Baptists. Like, okay. (laughs) So what I'm telling you is, that's the importance of knowing what you believe and why you believe. When that stuff comes down the pike, and that happened here. Somebody called the church and said, hey, I got a pamphlet in the mail about a prophecy conference when I first started here. I was like, oh, send them to me. <laughs> and I was able to discuss this is what's going on. This is, this is the issue. So I'm just telling you that to bring to my next point, is the Sabbath a day today? Colossians 2, 16 and 17. Therefore, no one is to act or judge you in regard to food or drink in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Now, in other words, there was a festival. Remember the Feast of Trumpets and all these things that there's seven festivals? Well, these festivals have Sabbaths within that. So he's not talking about the Sabbath within a festival. He's talking about the festivals, and he's talking about the new moon, and he's talking about Sabbath day. So in other words, he's saying, don't let somebody judge you based on what day you go to church. This is what it says. I mean, basically, we were being condemned by the day we went to church. Now, this is another point that I want you to see. The Saturday, Sabbath under the Old Testament was Saturday. The Jewish people still keep it as Saturday. And it's considered their day of worship, right? That, that, that's when they go to the synagogue. But even today, realistically, we would say the Sabbath is Saturday. You always get that question. Well, if the Sabbath is Saturday, why would we go to church on Sunday? How many of you have ever had that question asked or you've questioned that yourself? Well, realistically, if the, if the Sabbath is a day which is the Saturday we're supposed to go to church, we have no right to change that, right? And we would fall in line with the seven-day Adventist saying, hey, you shouldn't change that. You can't murder, you can't steal, and all these things. If you can change that, you can change this. But if the day was changed due to examples of the early church, then we're okay. If not, we're breaking the Sabbath and not keeping the fourth commandment. You see how that works? But here's the easy way that I choose to remember it. On Saturday, it's a time where I can enjoy God as creator, right? I can look around, I cut the grass, do all these things. I'm enjoying God. On Sunday, I come and I enjoy the Lord as Savior. I enjoy him, I worship him, right? This is the day when we meet. This is the day when we get together and we serve one another. This is the time when we get together and get to love on Jesus on Sunday, right? Look at Galatians 4, 9 through 11. Pastor Todd's been in a series in Galatians. It says, but you have not, but that you have come to know God. I'm sorry, let me back up. Verse, yeah, verse 9. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back to the elementary, to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? Look what it says. You observe days and months and seasons and years. 
I'm afraid that I've labored over you in vain. Remember, they were going back to circumcision. They were going back to the Sabbath and all these things. And Paul's like, look, man, I've been trying to teach you about the Lord. I've been trying to tell you that all of this is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about a day. In fact, in the New Testament, it's never told to keep a Sabbath day. And there's no rules how to keep it. There's no, there's no way of, of how to observe it. There's no, there's no law saying that if you violate it, there's none of these things. Once again, we celebrate a person. We rest in a person. We worship in a restful state of relationship. That is what it is saying. You follow me? Look at what it says in Hebrews 4, 9 and 11. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. You see that verse? Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Once again, this is referring to resting from our works to be made right with God. This is what the Sabbath is a picture of. And remember, all the commandments, we went through the the first four. We've shown you how they're in the New Testament. This one is not in the New Testament. So you're keeping it. It's not that there's only nine commandments. You're really keeping it by being in Christ. That's what the issue is. Remember, finished, rested, blessed. Finished means we finish. Christ has finished his perfect work by his death on the cross, and we will enter into perfection one day when we go to heaven. And when we rest, we rest from our justification. In other words, we are just as if we never sinned. When God sees us right now, we're justified. That means he sees us, he sees Christ in us, and it's just as if we never sinned. Our sanctification is our daily life in living where we mess up, where we fall, where we repent, But our justification is the paperwork in heaven. It's saying that Christ has paid for my sin. When I stand before God, it will be because of justification by faith alone. That's the beauty of being a Sabbath keeper. Remember we said earlier that we are a law keeper in Christ. So I don't want you to feel condemned by and go through this battle of is it Saturday, is it Sunday? Listen, we get to come to church on Sunday. We should come to church every Sunday right? But we don't want to make it a religious deal where we beat somebody over the head. We get to come to church. Look at what it says here in Romans 14, 5 and 6. In the same way, some think one day is more holier than the other, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him, right? So Paul would once again say, don't use your freedom to, to, as a license to sin. In other words, don't say, well, I don't have to go to church because I'm not held under a Sabbath law. That's, I, I wonder what my salvation looks like if I don't want to be around the brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? But we're not condemned if we sick and we miss a day. That's the point. Amen. Now, what about the early church in the Lord's Day? Because people say, well, the Lord changed, the, the, the early church changed it. Matthew 28. Are you still following me? Okay. We're almost done. I promise. Matthew 28, 1 through 10. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, 
Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now, basically, this is the story about how Jesus appeared in the garden area of the garden tomb that, that, uh, I believe it was Nicodemus that owned it or no, J- Joseph of Arimathea. But look when you get to verse nine. Once again, I'm gonna, this is just telling you the scene. Verse nine says, and behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came and took hold of him of his feet and worshiped. We have the first day of the week, you see a worship service in a garden area. Think about this. Under the first day of the week, this is where we see this happening. You fast forward. Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus, and there's two disciples that are there, and they're, 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 they're troubled, they're bothered, and Jesus comes up. They don't even recognize him, and he begins to a- explain the scriptures to them from Genesis to Revelation, and he shows himself in these verses. That sounds like expounding on scripture on the first day of the week. Remember, if there's no specific day saying you have to hold this day, this is showing you a pattern that it's not that they got together and said, we have to change this day so we could separate ourselves. You know what they did when they would go into the synagogue on on their Sabbath? They would witness. Why do you think people got so mad at the disciples? They wasn't just sitting in there singing Kumbaya. They were like, I hear what you're doing. You're reading the Torah. But Jesus, Jesus. And this is where they would get ridiculed. So in other words, the Sabbath Saturday had become their mission field. So you you follow that? All right. Let's take it a step further. This is also the time when Jesus met with them behind the room. Remember the closed doors. He entered in. He breathed on them. He commissioned them to go out. Once again, that's the first day of the week. Remember when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the day of Pentecost on Acts? Pentecost means 50. Think about this. There's seven Sabbaths, which equals 49 days. So in other words, when you keep Sabbath, 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 that was the Pentecost. In other words, Pentecost was 50 days after the first fruits. Jesus rose on the Feast of First Fruits, fulfilling that. If the 49, if seven times seven is 49 and that fell on a Saturday, when do you think the 50th day fell? The first day of the week, which means you see the Holy Spirit being poured out on the first day of the week. So it's not that somebody said, let's change this. Because remember, the disciples met in the Jerusalem in Acts and they were discussing, hey man, they got Jews and Gentiles coming together. Notice they never bring up the Sabbath. But we see a pattern where they begin to worship on the first day of the week. Remember in Acts 20, when that old boy was in the third, the third, uh, <laughs> oh boy. When this guy was in the third, Paul is sitting there preaching on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, and this guy fell out the roof because he was, fell asleep like some of you are doing in here. <laughs> I'm just joking. So, right? So he's, he's preaching to them. Now, listen, they met day to day, but the Bible always highlights the first day of the week. Remember when Paul said in Corinthians, hey, have that offering ready when I come by on the first day of the week. You know why that was going on? Because people were being persecuted for their faith. Husbands were losing their lives in the synagogues because people were, were stoning them. And the families now became fatherless or unable to, to pr- provide for their own. So Paul would take up offerings to try to help them benevolently. Okay. All right. We're, we're finishing up here. And in the book of Revelation, John says he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. So I don't want you to think 
Because this is what the uh, the Seventh-day Adventists and things say. And I'm not trying to bash Seventh-day Adventists. That's obviously great people. But they try to tell you that it was changed by the early Roman Catholic Church, which tries to make it sound like it's the beast system and all that stuff. So people really feel condemned because they think it was changed. But listen, when you read it in the scriptures, it's not that a specific organized religion changed it. It's the fact that the, the disciples said, hey, we, we don't have a day that we have to worship. We're choosing to worship on the first day of the week as a memorialization of the resurrection. It's that simple. So don't feel condemned when you come to church and understand that why you come to church. Understand that you're not coming to church because you're thinking you're keeping the Sabbath. You're keeping the Sabbath because you're in Christ, but you get to come to church on Sundays. That's the issue. Amen. Praise God. We get to come to church. We get to hear all this great worship, right? So here's the life application. Remember, I'm just going to give you three words again. God finished, he rested, and he blessed it. Now, how do we keep the Sabbath? Remember, we see God revealed himself as creator, as lawgiver, and sanctifying savior. Guess what you are? You're a law keeper because of Christ. So this is how you keep the Sabbath. Number one, we only have three points here, and they're very quick. Set aside time to worship God with your brothers and sisters and celebrate the finished work. We meet on Sundays, come on Sundays. We meet on Wednesdays, come on Wednesdays. Amen? You have life group, meet in life group. You're fulfilling acts. They met in the house day to day. So it's not like they were like, oh, we can't talk about Jesus on this day, or we can talk about Jesus on this day. God did that for us by providing us the finished work of Christ, of Calvary. When Jesus died on the cross, all of the rules were nailed to the cross. You and I are Sabbath keepers because we belong to Christ. Take a day to reflect. Take a day to care for your soul. Take a day to rest and do good. You know, this is the perfect time to fulfill these principles. When you get on the serve team, guess what? You're serving the Lord and you're doing good to people. I'm not just trying to plug that. I'm telling you that that's what they did in the scripture. Number two. Oh, and another thing, when we go to the restaurant, we can do good to people because that's the most hated day for waiters and waitresses because they say these Christians are coming here. But it's a good time to do good. Number two, exercise faith in Christ. By resting from a works mentality. Remember, being in Christ, our Sabbath rest, which means we're not doing all kind of stuff. I don't read my Bible to get right with God. I read my Bible because I'm right with God. I don't come to church to get God to notice me. He already notices me. I want to be with the brothers and sisters, right? That's what that, so you see how the mentality is, the Pharisees were like, oh, you gotta be in the synagogue, you gotta do this, you can't do this. And that's how people get when it, when they, they get on this kick about church attendance equals salvation. It's spitting in the face of Jesus. So we rest in his finished work. Listen, we go, this is the battle. If you, if you wanna just share, shred it down. We go from works righteousness to faith righteousness. We're always in that battle. Oh, God's going to notice me if I do this. He'll really be pleased with me, right? That's works. He's already pleased with you. You get to do works. You get to, faith produces the works. 
We're not doing it to get, oh man, I need something from God, so I'm going to go do this, 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 and this. That's the fight of faith. You will fight that always. You know why? We fight that with our own spouses, right? Friends, if I, if I love on my wife, she'll love on me. If I do something nice, she'll love on me, right? We do, we do that. We don't have to do that with God. If you wonder if God loves you, look at the bloody cross that Jesus died on for us. Amen? Now, for instance, our Sabbath, we, we, we're off on Friday and Saturday. So, it's obviously we can't just keep a Sunday because we work on Sunday, right? If we could, it would be considered work. But the fact of the matter is we take a Friday or Saturday. So I don't know what your schedule is like. You might be off on Saturday and Sunday. Take that day to rest in the Lord and come to church. You see, there's no law beating you over the head. It says six days you work and on the seventh you rest. Now you might have a schedule that's from Tuesday to I don't know how to do the math on that, but that day that you're off, rest. <laughs> Remember this too. God provided manna for me. It's God's teaching us a principle. He's saying, give me 10 and live off the 90. You see, with the, with the Sabbath, with the, the manna falling from heaven, gather what you need. Don't go out and gather it on the Sabbath. You'll have enough for that. It's about trusting. God's saying, hey, get all your work done in six days, rest on the seventh. Chick-fil-A does that better than anybody that I know. And God, what you're doing by taking the day off, you're saying, God, I'm trusting you. I know I have a lot of work, but I'm going to apply this principle of the Sabbath. God didn't need a rest. He knew we needed to rest. So God's saying, hey, you can rest. Be, you have permission to rest. You're not lazy because you take a day off. People say, well, brother, the devil don't take a day off. Well, are we going to get our marching orders from the devil? Right? We're going we to outwork the devil? We, that's not going to happen. The devil is always working. I don't know where that brother, he must be on some energy drinks or something. Number three, the last point, enjoy God. Enjoy the blessings of God. Right? Enjoy God's creation. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the church. The, the word Sabbath means to cease. It means stop. Stop and breathe. It's, isn't it ironic that on that day, on that first day, the, the first day of the week when Jesus met, he breathed on them. Right? He gave them power. He gave them refreshing. Receive the permission from God Almighty that it's okay to rest. Rest in the fact that you know you are going to heaven. Can we stand? Amen. And listen, enjoy the blessings of every promise in the Bible belongs to us. Whether it's on the Sabbath you receive it on, on right, or if it's a day, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right? Friday, Saturday. But listen, it's really about acknowledging that the true blessings come from God, not necessarily our labor, right? Come on, let, let's, let's close in, in prayer. Father, we just thank you right now for your word. God, we thank you for this fourth commandment. God, we know that this commandment is out of relationship. Lord, we thank you that we are law keepers, Lord, because we are in Christ. And Lord, if there's anybody here that is striving to please you on their own, Lord, I'm asking that you would refresh them. If you do not know Jesus, I just want you to simply receive him tonight. I'm going to pray a prayer with you. I don't, you don't need to raise your hand. If you have never received Christ, I just want to just extend this invitation to you. Dear Heavenly Father, 
Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that, Lord, that each person that is here, Lord, that we repent of our sin. We ask you to forgive us. We ask you to cleanse us and wash us from all unrighteousness. God, we acknowledge just as that man was on a mat and he was unable to please you, no matter what day of the week it was. God, we thank you that Jesus stepped down into where we were. And Lord, he stirred the waters of our soul and saved us and allowed us to walk. God, I'm asking that you would impart that that divine provision of pardon pardon from the death penalty. Lord, I'm asking right now that each person that is here that is receiving you would spend eternity in heaven. God, I thank you. I ask that you would allow the faith that you have given them to begin to rise up, Lord, that their life would change from here on out. God, regenerate them, regene them, and make them into the people that you have called them to be. God, I thank you right now that we are not under law, as Galatians says, but we are flourishing in the kingdom of Almighty God and the divine provisions from heaven are accessible to your children. Father, we enter in and we stay in your rest that you provided in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Praise God. If you need prayer, we'll be up here to pray with you. If not, enjoy the 4th of July and good night.